This programme is made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee. Independence Day. Why you ride so funny? Why you sound so weird? Why you dress so awkward? You ain't from around here. You're welcome to Independence Day, a series where I've been traveling the country, talking to indie bands, electronic producers, folk singers, and the record labels that release their music. On this episode, I met up with David Stalling and Anthony Kelly over a coffee in the lobby of a hotel in Dunleary. David and Anthony set up Firepoint Recordings in 2004 as an artist-run creative project that seeks to publish works from the margins. The label releases sound art, electronica, and electroacoustic music. We began by talking about why did they start up Firepoint in 2004. Initially, we, um, we, were, we were making work together, uh, Anthony and I, and um, we were looking for an outlet. Um, apart from, you know, we were making sound and video installations and um, the occasional live performance and... Uh, but we ended up with all these records of, of these of these live and gallery events, and you know we're we're looking for another outlet for, for those works, and uh, I, I guess uh, it was the the obvious thing to do uh, to to start a label and to to start self publishing, and uh, but it grew into something um, much think, bigger than that. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I I think we were kind of surprised um, after a little while that. Um, it just, you know, because we were kind of doing all these, um, we'd been doing these projects together. You know, you start meeting people, and you know, you 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 know, you become friends with with other artists, and they were asking us, you know, what about the label, and uh, you know, I'd, I'd, all of a sudden it just seemed to be possible to start to produce uh, releases, you know, by other artists that we kind of got to know over that that kind of first couple of years. Um, and um, the budgets were very small then, and you know they're still very small now. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of one of our ways of operating, I guess. You know, we've yeah. managed to stretch budgets and hopefully produce pieces yeah. that are you know of of, of good quality. You know, I, th- I think but, our mo is basically yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. tell us what you got, and we'll make you something from it. And, yeah. and we'd rather make it make something then uh, say, no, we can't afford it. You were talking about your own work together. How would you describe it? Or what kind of stuff do you do? Uh, we, were lo- uh, we were working a lot with found materials, um, found sounds, found objects, found images. There's a found sound right there. <laughs> Start again. Yes. <laughs> you know, we, we, would, we would go ahead and make uh, make a whole 20 minute piece from a a lovely squeak of a door in Anthony's kitchen um, and it was you know re- quite playful with the material um, yeah yeah we still are I guess mm-hmm. yeah I think um, I mean I I think one of the the great things for me about uh, the way we've been working together is it still does feel really fresh you know and it's always 
it's always really exciting. I think you know when 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 David says, you know, I've got this, you know thing I've recorded here have a listen and you know similarly I, I, I would bring something to the table as well and I think we're always really quite excited about the possibilities of pulling the material and seeing what we can do with it you know um, I mean sometimes we would make something which is almost completely audio based other times uh, it, it enters more into a, an audio visual realm you know and um, you know both of us would bring those types of materials, you know, I mean, even though essentially I kind of work out from, you know, quite a visual, you know, perspective, um, I would still bring a lot of sound elements. And similarly with David, you know, he, he might come more from a composer, you know, um, discipline, but he would also bring something visual, you know, so there's, there's that nice kind of mixing, I think, of, of disciplines. While growing up, was setting up a record label always something that David and Anthony wanted to do? I always wanted to. I used to work in a record shop a few summers uh, when I was uh, in my early teens, and I always really enjoyed it. Uh, it was, it was one, one of the uh, summers, uh, one of the experiences I you know, treasured the most. It was always, it belonged to my favorite uncle as well. Um, and <laughs> so... Uh, I, I don't think, I didn't think about it directly, but uh, I, it, it was close enough. And I, I think, you know, since we met and it kind of came naturally. My brother and I used to collect records. We still do. You know, we're still always really excited about, about music. And um, I, I think all along, you know, uh, through my teenage years, I, I always kind of had this idea at the back of my mind that, it would be really amazing, you know, to to have a, a small label, you know, of, of some kind. You know. I probably didn't really think at that stage what type of things the label or the publishing house, if you like, would be would be releasing or, or making, you know. 
But um, I think as soon as David and I started working together and we began to define the type of work, you know, the, the sort of field that we were interested in, yeah. I think it became more obvious to us then that, you know, we could create a little platform that could find ways of, of publishing um, works, you know, from the sound art realm, you know, the new music area, um, electronica. And I think we liked the idea as well of not just doing CDs, but we were always interested in books and DVDs and vinyl and cassette. We kind of like all the formats, yeah. you know, because a recording can be a lot of different things. One of the regular artists who releases on the label is Cork's Danny McCarthy. I spoke to him on the phone and asked him to explain what is a sound artist. Well, the term sound art is a bit like the term modern art in the sense that it's broadened there's so many very permutations and computations within it. Um, but a sound artist, the normal way I describe it would be like any other artist except to use the sound as his material. A sculptor will often use stone or bronze or whatever. A painter will use paint and a sound artist uses sound. And how did you become a sound artist? Uh, how I became a sound artist was, I suppose I've always been interested in sound since a very, very early age. My family was a bit unique in one sense in that we never had a camera, but we had a tape recorder. And I remember I was about 10 when my mother bought the first reel-to-reel tape recorder. And I was always playing around with that and playing tapes backwards and things like that, even at a very, very young age, you know. But gradually I developed, going through art college, I started doing um, performance art. And a lot of the time it would uh, entail having um, a sound tape a sound tape accompanying the performance. And eventually uh, the sound tapes became to become so strong that they were able to stand on their own as pieces. You know, so that's basically where it kind of started from. Farpoint Recordings releases on CD, DVD, vinyl and printed matter and they often work with the same artists over the years. 
it, I think it it grows quite organically. Um, there's people that we've worked with before, um, say like the Quiet Club, um, Dan McCarthy, Mick O'Shea, um, you know, Linda O'Keefe, or uh, Fergus Kelly, um, just to mention a few names. Um, Jennifer Walsh. Jennifer Walsh. We don't have a specific agenda um, in that we say, okay, this year we're going to really try and do this one or that one. Um, there's always this ocean of possibilities. And, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, you, you've, you've, sometimes you find this really valuable piece of driftwood um, <laughs> coming along your way. And, uh, you know, you might pick it up or you, it might drift along. That's really interesting, you know, what, what you're saying there, David, because I remember a couple of years ago we did sit down and try. We actually really... <laughs> thought to ourselves, okay, we're going to try and make a plan for the year, you know, and we scheduled out, you know, six releases or or maybe Mm. a bit less, you know, that we thought we'd do. And we probably didn't do even half of those, but other ones came along in the meantime and we did those. And maybe two or three of the ones that we thought we might do that year, they're still being developed for something maybe next year or the year Mm -hmm. after. So it is quite organic, you know. Mm -hmm. I I think, yeah, we're probably not a great role model or you know, a business model for, you know, commercialism in, in, in that respect, you know, but no. that's probably not our, our agenda, really, mm-hmm. know, I, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know. New York-based English sound artist Viv Coringham released her work on The Hour in the Woods on Farpoint in 2018. She told me over the phone how she hooked up with the label. Oh, I feel I've known them for years, actually, and I think I, think I probably have. We met, first of all, in Cork um, when we were... Uh, they were on a residency, and I was also on a residency, actually doing shadow walks. Um, and we've been in touch off and on since. I've met them sometimes in London. Um, yeah, and they, they always said, you know, if if you have a, an idea for a CD, let us know. And I've put tracks on, on various things they've put out, but I, I suddenly realized that this was just the perfect thing for them because I was making these recordings, again, without really any idea of what I was going to do with them. Um, I was in New State, uh, upstate New York um, in the Catskill Mountains, and I was staying in a very old cabin in the woods as part of an art colony there. And I'd been doing that every summer for four years, and I, I just came up with this idea that I would, I would really like to know what's happening outside my cabin uh, at every hour of the day and night. So, you know, so that's what I did. That's what the project is. I set an alarm <laughs> in the night, got up, staggered out in my pajamas um, and recorded and, you know, and sang a bit with what I heard. And, uh, and that's really, you know, what, what that project was. And then at the end, I kind of thought, so what am I going to do with this now? Um, and I remembered that uh, they'd invited me to do something, so that's what I did.
and you were speaking at the start about budgets. So, so how do you do it? How do you fund the label or how do you release things? I guess we, we have a system now, um, you know, we, the artist would approach us or we might approach the artist um, and um, we kind of negotiate our way through the material, uh, what's there, you know, that does, is, is it just, is it just a CD or um, are there some images with it, um, some text and, you know, and then we, 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 we have a, we, we have a, a sort of a selection of different packaging options at this stage, I think, that we... That we budgeted out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, so we can... Uh, and then we, we pitch them and uh, and see see if it works. And uh, if it doesn't, then uh, we'll, you know... Or, or, if, or maybe there is a little bit of a budget there um, and then we, um, uh, we can do something more ambitious. Um, I guess what kind of happens is every project has its own unique arc, if you like. Mm. So sometimes um, there's absolutely no budget at all. So, you know, we kind of take a look at what we have in the account and see can we kind of pull something together to, to mm. do something that we might really want to get behind, you know. Mm. Um, sometimes um, an artist is, is lucky enough to have some funding mm. either, you know, from the Arts Council or, you know, some other funding mm. body. And in that situation, okay, we have the luxury of, you know, really maybe doing something a little bit more, you know, yeah. um, adventurous or, or, or yeah. um, well, maybe, you know, every, I suppose we're always trying to be that way, you know, even if there's no mm. budget. But um, I think we just find a way of doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's basically, it's a long-term investment. That's yeah. uh, how we yeah. see it. And all the proceeds, they go into, into new projects, um, you know, sometimes when... There is no money, and we say, okay, we take a little leap of faith, and we, we'll make the CD, and uh, and kind of hope that we sell enough that it might, yeah. you know, fund yeah. itself. Um, yeah. And uh, but we invest our time and some money as well, and yeah, um, keeping everything running. I mean, I think it's fair to say, and in a way, I I have to say, I I prefer this myself, but. You know, we don't sell huge volumes of our releases, but what actually happens is we sell small amounts over time, which I think is better because you don't end up with this kind of big kind of artificial situation where, well, you know, you might be looking up to maybe do really well with one thing and mm-hmm. then everything else hardly does anything. And that one thing mm-hmm. somehow is supposed to fund, you know, everything else. Yeah. So, you know, there's we have found that generally speaking, you know, the, the, the things go out slowly. And mm-hmm. also what we find is people are, you know, they might be interested in, in a book that we've, that we've just done. And then they also find something else that kind of complements that. So we find that people who buy things from the label tend to buy two or three things, you know, together. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that happens quite a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. So for us, that's kind of good news because it means that, you know, we're kind of hitting that thing that I mentioned earlier that, you know, it would be really nice if somebody was looking at the catalogue and maybe didn't know a lot of the people, but might know one or two. So when they buy something by that person they do know, they're willing to take a chance on, on something else that they don't know, but just on the basis that it might sound interesting or would appeal to them in some way, you know, which is, which is great, you know.
Danny McCarthy has had projects under his own name and as part of the Quiet Club on the label, but he sees the relationship as a collaboration. My relationship with Farpoint, that goes back uh, quite a long way, um, certainly well over 10 years, when they first published uh, a book and CD of mine called Listen Here, which was uh, a little bit like a, a mini retrospective within a book and CD. I mean, that's one thing that one can find quite difficult is documenting installations because a lot of my work would be indeterminate and um, by that I mean like that it never sounds the same at any one time so it's not like going into a studio and mixing um, uh, a single and uh, releasing that and such you know but we managed to to get a pretty good CD and pretty good representation of the work and they really did quite a beautiful job with that and they've released quite a few of your pieces over the years, haven't they? They have released um, an awful lot of them, yeah. Uh, both The Quiet Club and my own individual works as well. And they've done books with me as well, you know. Um, but I find is it's, you're not just giving the work to um, a record company. You're actually working with them. They treat you as an artist. They respect you as an artist. And you collaborate with them as an artist. It's almost like as if... Uh, particularly the books and that um, would be collaborations with them. And even the CDs as well, they would be uh, collaborations because, you know, in this day and age, there's not much point in, in just trying out a CD there in a in a jewel case. Um, all the stuff that we do or that I do at this stage is kind of limited edition and um, it comes with uh, specially made covers and texts and things like that. You know, it's a, it's a total production, not just a CD. David and Anthony explain the importance of the visual side of Firepoint recordings. Yeah, often there there's a lot, there's strong images to go with the release and uh, in which case we, we might go for more photographic um, artwork yeah. and... Uh, if there isn't and there might be some text um, or there may not even be text and in which case we go for something very very plain and it's more more um, sort of vector based and yeah. um, graphics yeah. I think that they're the kind of two main main strands absolutely mm-hmm. yeah absolutely you know um, we've really enjoyed inviting uh, writers um, to contribute short texts and essays that uh, relate to the sounds and the, the music on some of our releases and part of the thinking behind that is you know I'm always kind of thinking about you know well, where where will a CD or a record or a book end up in 10 years time you know and you know hopefully it's in it's in a really nice library or archive or in someone's collection you know and the person who kind of takes that out to to, to look at it or listen to it again you know I, I think it would be great if you're a, re- a researcher or a curator and um, you find these notes or essays. You know. So it's about kind of giving the, the releases that layer, you know, to, to make them more attractive and more you know, valuable over time. Um, so it's something we think, think a lot about.
Do the visuals dominate or is sound something that people can appreciate more? Well, I, I mean, I think the visual, you know, we are living in a very visually oriented society, but I think quite often people are quite startled when they really give their attention to sound. Um, I've been working with quite a lot of visual artists and visual art students recently in different countries. Last year I was, I was in Hong Kong and Manila and India quite a lot, um, working with young visual artists um, who've never really thought about sound, you know. And it's really very delightful when they're sort of about the third day in, they come and they say, wow, I, I was just standing in the kitchen just listening to the sounds and I'd never noticed them before. And, and I think that it's often, you know, it's often a really refreshing thing that happens to them. And it, it sort of changes their mindset, which is always a good thing, isn't it, if you get shaken up a bit. Two of you have been working together, you know, say making music or sound art together and also running the label together. So how does it work? Do you ever have difficulties or how, how does your working relationship work? Yeah, I mean, I think last year and this year, I, I think we, we actually managed to put together some of our strongest mm -hmm. releases for the label. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think I think what kind of happens over time is, you you know, you almost have this kind of, it's, it's like an unspoken thing. Yeah. You, you know what to do, mm -hmm. you know, exactly. and, and, and hopefully I know what to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we kind of bring the projects along, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes together. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes separately, you know, mm -hmm. if that's if that's the way it's it's going, you know. And then when it reaches a certain point, you know, we'll, as you said, you know, mm -hmm. we'll meet up and, and mm -hmm. say, right, this is nearly there. I've got all the stuff, mm -hmm. um, and then we'll kind of step into our separate roles. You know, mm -hmm. da David does a lot of the mastering, and um, yeah, yeah, that that aspect. Um, just to you know, if if the release requires some some mastering, I'd, I'd usually do that, and uh, sort of get the CD ready. Um, yeah. Anthony is a lot involved with uh, sort of compilation of text material um, for the graphic designer. Design ideas. Um, and, yeah. Know. But I think together mm -hmm. we kind of conceptualize what the projects are going mm -hmm. to be. You know, that's kind of the beginning. You know, mm -hmm. we think about, okay, what, what, what can this actually be, you know, as a, mm -hmm. as a release? You know, what, what, what are we trying to achieve with it? You know, and, and we're pretty careful about that, I think. You mm -hmm. know, I, I think that was right there at the beginning yeah in short we've, we've kind of got a, a system yeah <laughs> unbelievably yeah. you've just heard David Stalling and Anthony Kelly from the Farpoint Recordings label thanks so much to them for chatting to me and to Danny McCarthy and Viv Carringham who I interviewed over the phone we heard music and sound art from all of those who I just mentioned and pieces from The Quiet Club and Steve Roden as well farpointrecordings.com is where you can listen to and buy all of their work Next week, it'll be something completely different with Rua Sound, who released Jungle, Hip Hop, Footwork, Drum and Bass and Grime. This programme is funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee, and it's produced by me, Alan Meany. Indie, rock and alternative. 2XM.